0: Well, Jesus had um, his frustrations. Doesn't that make you feel better? That even Jesus himself bumped up against difficult times. Listen to this parable and you'll hear it. That same day Jesus went out to the house and sat beside the sea... And such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on Rocky ground where they did not have much soil. They sprang up quickly since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. Let anyone with ears listen. Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is what is sown on the path. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet such a person has no root, but endures only for a while. And when trouble or persecution arises on account of the word, that person immediately falls away. Well, as for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the lure of wealth choke the word, and it yields nothing. But, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bear who indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty, and another thirty. The word of the Lord. You may know the name uh, John Claypool. Uh, He passed away not too long ago. John was um, an incredible writer, an Episcopal priest, um, professor of preaching or homiletics. He wrote, he had a theory about this little parable. Here's what he said. A new kind of realism seems to be emerging in Jesus. By this time, he appears to be coming to terms with failure. Jesus. Jesus had come home to the fact that about three out of four of the things he would like to see happen would not materialize because of factors, this is incredible, because of factors beyond his control. Wow. If Jesus has to live in a world with a one out of four success rate, what are my chances? Or yours? Jesus had to come, get, get your head around that. Jesus had to come to terms with failure. Jesus, the son of God. The one who walks on water, changes water into wine, raises the dead son of the widow of Nain, the one who cures the lepers, on and on and on. He has to deal with failure. Jesus. Hmm. Some things in this life don't work, some prayers don't get answered. If they do get answered, maybe the answer is no. But it seems like some good seeds in life fall on hard paths, rocky soil, or thorns. Nothing wrong with the seed, nothing wrong with what you're trying to plant in someone's life. The trouble's in the soil. John Sanford, another Episcopal priest, I'm kind of on an Episcopal run today. Couldn't find anything good that any Presbyterians had said. (laughs) John's a union analyst, uh, Episcopal priest, wrote a a book called um, The Kingdom Within some time ago. It must have been in the 70s. And in that book, uh, he said, I wonder if all four of these soils could be in one person. I never thought of that before. I, I kind of thought, well, here's a hard path person, here's a rocky soil person, you know, all that. John says, well, what if all of that's in me? Then I have to come to terms with my hard path. The hardness in me that won't let anything get in. You can talk as much as you want to, Preacher. But nothing's going to get in because my heart is as hard as that marble floor. I've been preaching to people like that for 38 years. Hard path people. What makes them that way? I've been curious. I think behind most hard path people is some pain. Something happened to them. And the hardness comes from trying to defend themselves from any more pain. I'm not going to let you get in. Sometimes it's pride. And all pride is is a cover for insecurity. If somebody feels insecure, they're going to buff all up so you never see that. So they come in looking like one of the strongest egos you've ever seen in your life and the truth is they're one of the weaker you'll ever meet. It's not true strength. It's a false front. And when you meet someone like that they, they got a hard heart. Preach the gospel. Preach the resurrection. Preach the, the love of God. I'm not going to hear it. And if I do hear it I will not respond to it. That's a hard path person. How in the world is God going to get into that? You'd have to almost override their free will. Take the ability for them to choose what they're going to do and just plow right into them. And yet God will not, does that, apparently does not do that. You're given the gift of free will, you get to keep it your entire life. So you get to choose to be a hard path person. Even Jesus had to deal with this. The limitations on Christ himself. Lots of ministers. Uh, You'll be getting a new minister uh, soon. Sometime. Maybe. (laughs) Maybe. I haven't seen any smoke coming out of this, you know. I keep looking for it. Every day I come to work, no smoke. So I guess I got a job. But you know, a lot of pastors have been in ministry a long time and want people to get it. They want people to get it. They want people's hearts to be receptive to what God is doing. And has done for them and with them for the grace of God in their life to live a grateful life. To live, you know, in gratitude to God. And you preach so many years and you're preaching to marble floors sometimes. And ministers get discouraged and they burn out. Do you know that 50% of all of our first time call pastors, meaning I get out of seminary and I take my first call. 50% of those drop out of ministry in the first five years. Something's wrong. It's hard work sowing seeds in this modern culture. If Sanford's theory is right, then we all have rocky ground within us too. And and what does that mean? I guess for some people that there is a time in their life they may have been receptive to God, but there was no roots It never really went quite deep enough. Maybe when they were younger, they were in youth group, they went to a camp and they had an experience. Maybe their heart was strangely warmed by God in some way. And there was a time, but that time has passed. And they withered away when they were tested. You probably can get away with rocky ground Christianity, meaning you're just sort of a shallow Christian, not real, really much depth to you. I don't mean that judgmentally, it's just true. You can get away with that if you're never tested, but who among us is never tested? All of us are tested. Whether your wife dies or your brother dies or you lose something in your health, We're always tested, all of us. And so when something comes along and tests a person with no roots, it's too late to start digging deeper to get those roots in when the winds are howling upon your house. That's not the time to do root work. And I've seen many people in ministry crumble when they're tested. They don't make the cut. If Sanford's right, there's also thorns within us. Jesus explains this in his parable by saying, this is the cares of the world and the lure of wealth. They choke the word and it yields nothing. Now, I I read that again this week and I thought, can that actually happen? Can you choke the word of God out of somebody's life? Apparently so. Well, you would think that God loves that person so much that the word would just sort of stay in them and hang around and wait for them to one day get it. Like when I'm old, when I get really old, I'm going to kind of get religious, you know, like when I'm 80. Those little chuckles were all my 80 year olds. Because when you're 80, you don't think that's old, do you? No, somebody else is always the old people. But it's like, I'm going to live my life the way I want to live it and be the master of my own fate. And one day, one day, one day, one day, I might let this stuff get in. And I might, you know, I might take that up. Like golf or something. I'll um, maybe let God have a little more of me. Well, that word of God, apparently, that can be choked out of a person. Because God said in Exodus, you shall have no other gods before me. But we do. We do have other gods. And those gods choke out the presence of the one who made you. And we worship those gods, little g. We have altars to those gods. And in the parable, the translation would be thorns. In other words, those things become the things we worship, thorns. And then when you die, guess what happens to all your thorns? They cut them down and they're burned. End of story. Your whole life, you let that stuff crowd out your heart for nothing. Huh. Claypool says there's a realism emerging in Jesus. He's come to terms with a one out of four success rate. There are three soils in the world that yield nothing, and a lot of people have mailboxes in those soils. But there is a fourth soil Jesus mentions. And he calls that one the good soil. So does every person living today have good soil in them? Is that true? If there can be a hard path in me and a, and a shallow part of me and a thorny part of me, can there also be good soil within me? And would that be true of every prisoner, male, female, and juvenile, in the Commonwealth of Virginia this morning? Think of all the prisons. Think of all the prisons in the United States of America. Well, think about all the prisons in the world this morning, filled up. We're building prisons faster than we're building schools and spending more money on them than we are our schools is it possible for every prisoner in all of those places to have good soil within their life just a little patch of it where they might be receptive to who God created them to be I don't know Bring it closer to home. What about the person you're having a problem with right now? The ones you're at odds with. You think it's possible for there to be good soil even in that person? Or do you just see them as totally bad soil? Is it possible? Now this one hurts. That radicalized Muslim terrorists... Is it possible that they have good soil within them? I do not want to see that. I'll just be honest with you. I don't want to see it. I want to demonize those people. They're all bad. And yet the Bible would argue with me, thank God, and say, I'm not so sure about that, Steve. There may be, even within your foulest enemy, the good soil of receptivity to what God would do in their life. Wasn't it Jesus who said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? I'd rather go to a potluck supper. You know, just keep it shallow Christianity. Nice. This is hard work. It's always easier to see the good soil in the people we're praying for. Like my son or my daughters or my grandchildren or the people you're praying for. You want to see the good soil in them. You want that hundredfold, sixtyfold, thirtyfold. I mean, you'll even take fivefold. Anything to get them out of the rocks. And off the hard marble floor and get them out of the thorns, and you're praying them into that good soil. Oh, I pray every day for those folks, but to ask me to pray for the other folks? Hmm. Even Jesus didn't fix everything, He didn't heal everybody. He didn't change the world instantaneously. I mean, look at it. It was more like little seeds, he said, being scattered into people's lives with a faith and a knowledge that there is a good soil and a harvest to come within each human life. And like Jesus, you and I live with a one out of four success rate. That ain't easy. Three out of four things fail in the attempts of the kingdom of God to work in a person's life. And you could write them off and say, they'll never come to this. And the Bible says, I wouldn't write them off if I were you. If there's a spoonful of good soil in that man's life,